0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Marvel Standom, and we are talking about Hawkeye Episode 3, a completely delightful and action-packed episode of Holiday TV. With me for all time and always, I have Den of Geek TV editor Alec Bajalid, and Den of Geek News and Features editor Kirsten Howard. Katie Burt is on vacation, folks, so it's just the three of us. Kirsty, why don't you fill us in on what happened this week?
1: In Marvel's Hawkeye Episode 3, we are properly introduced to Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. We see some snapshots of her youth as a deaf child under the care of her loving father, William, and her mysterious uncle, who are both involved in New York's criminal underworld. It turns out that William was killed by Clint Barton in Ronin mode, so Maya tries to get to the bottom of Ronan's identity by kidnapping Kate and Clint. The pair ultimately slip through her fingers during an arrowfield chase that ends with them having a hard conversation in which Clint chooses not to reveal his old Ronan identity to Kate. They sneak into Kate's mother's place and try using her security company to investigate Echo's right-hand man, Kazi, and Armanthri's potential killer, Jack. But unbeknownst to them, Jack is lying in wait and surprises Clint by holding the Ronin sword to his throat in the episode's cliffhanger.
0: So this is one of those rare times that we can just start right at the beginning of the episode because the Echo stuff that kicks it off is really fantastic. I think that was just a beautiful way to catch us up on who this character is, seed some potentially really important stuff for the MCU going forward, uh, and really give us like, a good understanding and some sympathy for this character. So I'd like to know what everybody thinks. I thought
2: the the young actress that plays Little Maya is utterly adorable. Pudgiest <laughs> cheeks I've ever seen. I loved opening with the flashback. I love her backstory, and I love where it takes it. I also love that we have Zahn McClarnon in the MCU now as well. He's an actor who's just in absolutely everything. He was remarkable in Westworld awesome in Fargo and now he's also in Reservation Dogs which everybody should watch. Um, but I am way into Echo as a character and I'm way into how this episode opens.
1: Yeah I think they've just done such a terrific job of introducing her in this series. It's not, certainly not how I expected her to arrive in the MCU when I heard that she'd been cast. Um, it's, it's So there's a lot of surprises um, in this one uh, I felt like that her relationship with her father was just terrifically handled, and it really gave us like a, a short but like completely proficient introduction to her. Um, she's badass um, when she fights. She's like a Tekken character or something. It was just <laughs> like this incredible uh, fight sequence with Clinton here. Um, So we get introduced to both her as a person and her as a fighter and how she handles herself. Um, I just thought this episode was terrific.
0: There's a great little detail very early on. You know, like obviously we see her fight later in the episode in what is probably the best pure action scene we've seen in one of these MCU TV shows so far. But when she's a little girl at the Karate Academy there's there's a fun detail there that kind of hints at her greater abilities, you know. You know, there's a reason they call her Echo, okay? Like she is kind of like taskmaster in that she can watch someone and like mimic their fighting style. And you see her do that really subtly when she takes out that much bigger kid at the karate academy. It's a really neat way to kind of set up her abilities. Without us actually having to, you know, have it spelled out for us. So I thought that was really nice. And then, of course, you know, later in the episode, seeing her fight Clint is just really, really great. Um, It's the kind of thing that, for the first time in a while, it recalls some of those great action sequences from Netflix's Daredevil. Um, And that is also not coincidental. You know, I felt that when they first showed Maya on screen at the end of episode two, with that red lighting and the driving music. That felt kind of like stylistically a callback to Daredevil. And now, like, these great hand-to-hand fight scenes feel that way as well. And clearly this is not an accident, because who is her mysterious uncle? Uh, There's a big man in a suit who is waiting for her uh, at the Karate Academy there, and her dad is... uh, working at a place called Fat Man Auto Repair. So, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think we're pulling a Mephisto here when we say, welcome back to the MCU, Wilson
2: Fisk. How does everybody feel about this? I'm delighted. Uh, Vincent uh, D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk and Daredevil is one of my favorite ever Marvel villains. Uh, just because it's so much fun when somebody is clearly relishing the role. I just like people who are jazzed to be in the MCU, because I feel like I would be as well. Because, um, like, why not? Like, if anytime you're playing a character who has, like, a Wikipedia entry um, and, like, wears colorful outfits, I'm way into that. He It is very clearly Wilson Fisk, and I am so delighted to see him eventually. I do kind of wish, though, that we had found a way to... I wonder if they're going to CGI in to make him planet-sized, like Leah Schreiber's uh, Wilson Fisk and Into the (laughs) Spider-Verse because that's kind of overtaken my conception of uh, Kingpin.
1: Yeah, it feels like there's no doubt Wilson Fisk is going to be coming to the MCU in the next three episodes. I do wonder, you know, which one of those episodes it will be. Um, I think the creators of the show have teased something big for the finale. Um so I, I I I genuinely don't know how many reveals we've we've got left here but I think this is the uh certainly the one that's on in the cards you know. Um Vincent was a fantastic kingpin and yeah like Alex said he's just always been so enthusiastic and he's just genuinely comes across like a great dude. Um so I love this for him. I um, I really hope that he's back.
0: I really appreciate that this didn't feel like a stunt. It didn't feel like they were really like telegraphing this. It's the kind of thing where if this was our first introduction to the MCU's Wilson Fisk in live action, it would feel pretty organic. You know, the talk that Clint has with Kate when they're walking pizza dog, through Washington Square Park there, you know, the idea that Clint is well aware of who Wilson Fisk is, you know, so it's like it all felt perfectly natural. Um, I hope that when the reveal comes, like of course you want to be suitably dramatic, but I don't want it to feel like it's such a big deal, because one of the beauties of, the, of, of Daredevil in particular was how naturalistically they treated the, you know, augmented, organized crime situation in New York City. And I would really like to see that carry through here in Hawkeye. Um, now, there's also uh, very credible rumors that Matt Murdock is going to show up in Spider-Man No Way Home as well. I'd love to see him here, too. I mean, it seems this seems like the kind of situation where, you know, Kate Barton might need a lawyer to clear her name at the end of this as well, but I don't want this to be, again, I, I want this to be the kind of thing that when it's done, when it finally happens, that it feels important for the people that were fans of those Netflix shows, like I was, but also feels
2: fresh for the people who, uh, you know, who haven't experienced that yet. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Um, I feel like you actually might get Daredevil in this. Um, Because one thing I liked about this show thus far is that it's sort of, how to word this carefully, uh, charmingly childlike approach to matching up heroes and villains. Uh, Because Kate Bishop, as we've established, is the archer lady with her bow and arrow, and her big villain is going to be the sword guy, (laughs) presumably with with Jack. Um, It seems very much in this show's wheelhouse to pair up Daredevil and Echo with their two uh, different sensories. I think that's something that's
0: more likely coming on her own show because, only because of how they really set up a great conflict with her and Clint. Um, You know, Clint killed her father. Uh, You know, Clint's actions as Ronin are pretty much inexcusable. So if Echo wants to take him out, She's kind of justified in wanting to. Like that exists, you know, almost independently of, you know, his connections to the kingpin. I mean, as far as we can tell, unless this guy was a straight-up hitman, you know, wiping people out with a with a tremendous body count of his own under his belt, it really doesn't justify getting stabbed through the gut with with a sword. I'm really curious to see how that plays out. You know, I think Clint hasn't fully reckoned with his time as Ronan. I think when he when he's talking to Kate, uh, or I'm sorry, when he has the, the alibi with the Russians that Black Widow killed Ronan, um, you know technically that's true, I guess. But in a way, I think Clint is still kind of running from you know from his own actions there uh, to some degree, and he's going to have to reckon with them. When dealing with Maya Lopez now,
2: this episode really goes a long way in establishing how terrifying Ronan was. Uh, because we got such a brief glimpse of him in Endgame, uh, where he just basically kills Hiro Yuki and then like that—that's that, it. He kills like a lot of people, <laughs> and like people like who seem somewhat decent despite their uh, criminal backgrounds. Like the, the tracksuit mafia guys to a man are delightful. <laughs> They're talking about going to Imagine Dragons. They call each other bro. Uh, I just feel like this show really humanizes just kind of like the goons of the MCU. in Hammer's home like, even if they are on the wrong side of history, they have a pretty rich, vibrant inner life.
1: That's funny you should say that because um, when Echo's father was killed, I was getting big uh, Austin Powers henchmen have families too from the whole scenario I thought it was interesting actually that we got that kingpin tease so early on in the episode, it threw me off balance a bit and I didn't really know what to expect from the rest of it Um, Hayley and Jeremy are just incredible though they have that fun banter they're great in action together and also towards the end of this episode when uh, Kate is sort of lightly grilling him about Ronin, the the cameras sort of just going back and forth between them you know quite close up and they're just in that intimate setting you know the character work that was going on there was just incredible too. Like these two are just phenomenal in this show.
0: You know I think I might have said last week that I expected this to be kind of Clint Barton's last ride in the MCU and like you know Kate Bishop is the future and she absolutely is But watching them together, I kind of don't want that to be the case now. Like, I want them to be able to meet up from time to time to have these delightful moments. Um, Yeah, this was just top to bottom and almost perfect episode of television. Uh, Like, I never thought I would be this hyped after an episode of Hawkeye, you know? And, And here we are. It's just completely unpretentious, solid storytelling, um great action I mean some of the some of the best most crisp action we've seen in the MCU as a whole in a while um, a great soundtrack you know uh, it all takes place during the day it doesn't feel like you know it doesn't feel like they're they're hiding you know uh, like hiding their questionable CGI behind gray backgrounds and stuff like that it's just it's just a blast
1: yeah the, I'm probably. Uh, quite incorrectly calling it this, but the the car chase where had that um, children of men filming <laughs> technique where they um, it's all kind of one shot for a long time, and um, that was just really impressive. I just found everything just clipped along at a really good pace, and when it did slow down, it was uh, really impactful.
0: It also had that great, you know. Uh, the French Connection, of course, is an all-time great car chase flick, which is also a great wintertime in New York City flick, so there's a little bit of that vibe there. But that car chase is probably the closest we've come, probably on any of the MCU TV shows so far, to just having one scene that is taken almost directly, like almost like panel for panel out of the comics. The third issue of of the, the Hawkeye comic that is you know the inspiration for so much of this show is dedicated almost entirely to a car chase, just like that. Right down to Kate being annoyed that Clint doesn't label the arrows. That Dodge Challenger is also straight out of that comic. The only difference is is that It's Clint and Kate in in the cool car in that one, whereas in this one that's Maya's car that gets totaled and Clint is understandably annoyed about that. So um, it's really cool the way, you know, we've talked before about how savvy the MCU is about taking inspiration from the comics without really doing uh, direct adaptations of stuff. This is one of the best examples of an almost scene-for-scene scene translation of something from the comics that I can remember seeing in the MCU.
1: The MCU absolutely loves a car chase too. I was thinking about how many car chases they've been. So, to, you know, add a new car chase sequence here and have it feel fresh and have it feel exciting is, uh, yeah, yeah. It was really well done.
0: So we still don't really have an indication of who, like, the big bad of the show is. You know, we've had all kinds of, like, possibilities. You know, Jack looks like he's trouble, uh, and he clearly is. Uh, We have Wilson Fisk lurking in the background now. But then there's Kazi, Maya's uh, handsome lieutenant. He's another one who's straight out of those comics, and he's actually... A pretty terrifying, ruthless figure. There, you know, in the comics, he's known as the clown because he will actually put on like mime makeup uh, as he goes out to, uh, you know, perform contract killings. But instead, they've made him, you know, at least in this episode, seem like a pretty reasonable guy. He's a competent lieutenant. He listens to Maya. Uh, you know, he he follows orders. He has her back. Um, but i i'd like to think that there's more coming with him because
2: there's some potentially great conflicts with him and clint in particular i kind of hope they keep it that way unless they go with that amazing clown (laughs) (laughs) concept which i know why they wouldn't um but unless they're gonna go all the way weird with it i feel like things might get pretty crowded at the top if we have to juggle maya kingpin whatever jack's doing and then also, I mean, like not for nothing, but Yelena's is supposedly still out there, with, and she has a target on Clint. Um, so, I mean, that I, that would be one creep too much for me. But maybe they could pull it off. I've I've trusted in this show. I would just like to point out that
0: once again, uh, Pizza Dog is delightful. Pizza Dog officially gets a name in this episode, which is, I must confess, a little bit of a departure from Marvel canon because. This dog is not named Pizza Dog. Like that was uh, that was a nickname. This this dog was originally named Arrow, uh, because we haven't really seen this on the show. But Arrow was the dog of one of the members of the Tracksuit Mafia and was treated horribly. And that is why you know this good boy was so willing to go off with Clint and Kate. And then Clint renamed him Lucky because. You know, this poor, scruffy, one-eyed mutt is anything but lucky. Uh, and then Pizza Dog is just kind of like, like the nickname. like It's like his code name. Uh, <laughs> That's
2: his Hawkeye.
1: I like the way uh, Kate and Clint have a kind of tumultuous marriage in some ways. And uh, Pizza Dog is kind of keeping them together.
0: I'm still just hoping for a little more screen time per episode for Pizza Dog.
1: How do you guys think this show will end given all the players in this game?
0: I think Clint is destined for retirement. Uh, I think that's what, it's clearly what he wants uh, and even in this episode we see with every conversation he has with Kate, he has more and more affection for her but more importantly he sees how capable she is. You know. He's warning her about the potential pitfalls of, of embracing this lifestyle. But he's not he's not trying to scare her away from it either. And I think that's kind of cool and interesting. You know, it's a it's a slightly different take on like, you know, the tired mentor, mentee relationship. Um, he clearly knows, like he didn't take much convincing to believe that she's kind of got what it takes. Um, so he's being real with her about it, but he's not steering her away from it either, which I think is kind of cool.
2: yeah, I, I, I think this ends with Clint's retirement um, and with <clears throat> Kate fully ascended as Hawkeye um, being one of Marvel's kind of street level heroes. I don't know if this ends with a setup for Hawkeye season two, more of it or just kind of the general future of the MCU in which, Kate is a rich New York superhero, just like Matt Murdock is a poor, well, no, middle class, upper middle class New York superhero um, dealing with organized crime on a street level.
1: I can't see this show ending with anything other than Clint going to prison or dying. (laughs) He has... Um, like Natasha, now got so much red on his ledger that he needs to atone for it somehow. Um, I don't think existing as he currently is, um, clearly quite depressed and tormented is the way forward. So um, unless they get him some of that sweet Bucky therapy, I think I think he's going to need to atone for what he's done as Ronin. Um, I'm not sure that Hawkeye's, Hawkeye's going to have The happy ending that perhaps we might like.
0: Clinton prison is a very interesting prospect because it then also opens the door once again for the return of Matt Murdock. Um, You know there are some great Daredevil stories about Daredevil going to prison, for example. Depending on what day it is, the world may or may not know that Matt Murdock is Daredevil in the comics, and he has. He's had to do time in the past and kind of reckon with things like that. So now that you mention it, I could see a world where that happens. I find it personally less likely, although it would be dramatically satisfying and sensible, that they kill off Clint Barton. Uh, I just feel like Marvel is kind of like, you know, trying to hedge their bets as much as possible with their biggest stars. Um, But. I don't know. I'm at this point. This show has shown me like everything good in three episodes, and I'm completely on board, and I'm willing to trust whatever they come at us with.
2: He told his kids he would be home by Christmas. He's gonna be home by Christmas. Yeah, you're right.
1: <clears throat> There's no way. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think he might go home for Christmas. I do think <laughs> that, but with like. Uh, you know, an armed force outside waiting for him to finish the dessert, you know, (laughs) he's got and then coming outside on the the porch there and just being just downright um, frog march to some kind of uh, (laughs) helicopter.
2: Yeah, that's a happier ending. Him dragged off from of screaming <laughs> yeah. children. You know Christmas. what? I would
0: be. I'd be cool with that. And that is it for another episode of Marvel Stand folks. Unfortunately, we don't have Sammy Davis Jr.'s awesome swing inversion of Sweet Gingerbread Man to play us off. But we will be back here next week and every week thereafter to follow all the cool MCU developments on Hawkeye. Make sure you hit that follow button on YouTube. And if you're tired of looking at our faces, my face in particular. You can follow us on Spotify now. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at Marvel Standom and follow our web home at Den of Geek US. You can also go to com. check out all our Marvel coverage at com slash Marvel. We'll see you soon, folks. Happy holidays. So
1: they're showing me on television the detergents for getting out blood stains. Is this a violent image to anybody, bloodstains? I mean, mean, come on, you got a t-shirt with bloodstains all over it. Maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem right now. You gotta get the harpoon out of your chest first. (laughs)